This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. you sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the bitcoin bulletin podcast well it has certainly been an interesting couple of days since our last episode an interesting day uh the news as usual continues to be the price but um things are just been interesting all the way around out there we'll get into that in a little more detail in a bit uh not the least of which is it looks like elon musk's twitter deal is finally going to go through I know that's not necessarily Bitcoin related, but it kind of is because, um, you know, there's a lot of frustration on Bitcoin Twitter out there uh, with all the bots, uh, the, you know, the people that you follow on Twitter, that, that the OGs in Bitcoin, the people with the most Twitter followers, uh, everything you read is just immediately 50 or 60 bot comments, spam comments, uh, and that's in addition to the scammers. And that's one of the things Elon has promised uh, to take action on to clean up if he bought Twitter. And uh, anyway, we'll get into that uh, a little bit more uh, in addition to some of the price and and, uh, other news that's going on there. But real quick, first, let's take a look at the vital statistics. As I mentioned today, or didn't mention, I guess, today is Wednesday, October 26, 2022. That means it is DCA Wednesday. And at the time of this recording, which is a little bit later than usual, uh, so hopefully we'll be keeping this short and sweet, we are sitting in a block height of 760,459. Bitcoin has rallied. It is currently at a price of 20,800. Uh, that is a rally considering the last two weeks we bought at the low 19,000 range. Uh, and it's been as low as we purchased as low as 18,470. I know it doesn't seem like a rally when you have that recent, uh, the recent bias of that $69,000 all time high in your mind. But again, uh, if you've been in this more than one cycle, you'll remember that Bitcoin hadn't ever hit 20,000 prior to four years ago. Uh, I hit almost 20,000, uh, and people were feeling burned for buying in the 15 or $16,000 range, and they felt burned for a solid two years during the quote-unquote crypto winter before the 2020 halving bull run kicked in. So, you know, as they say, zoom out. It's all about perspective. Um, but along those lines, Bitcoin is at a price of 20,800 US dollars per Bitcoin or 4,808 sats per dollar. I feel that is unfortunate because that means this is going to be the first time in a while that we're going to get less than 100,000 sats for our $20 DCA stack. That's kind of a bummer, but you know, um, that's still a lot better than um, back in November of last year when we only purchased 1,389 sats for our, or we only got 1,389 sats per dollar for our, for our DCA stack. So again, zoom out. Um, all things are relative. All that really matters is that we're going to end up with more sats today than we had yesterday. And speaking of Bitcoin's price, the price pump has increased Bitcoin's market capitalization by about $30 billion. It's currently sitting at $399.2 billion. That's a little more than 30 billion, 30, looks like 33.1 billion more than last Wednesday. 
And for those of you who value your wealth in gold, it will cost you 12.5 ounces of the shiny yellow rocks to purchase just one Bitcoin. That is the most we've seen in several months. Uh, just last Wednesday, for example, it would only take 11.8 ounces of gold to buy one Bitcoin. And um, that's, of course, because not only did the price of Bitcoin pump in U.S. dollar terms, but the price of gold has been trending down, which is, you know, people have been befuddled by Bitcoin going down in the uh, in this recession or whatever you want to call it in the the financial downturn. Bitcoin going down when the markets have been tanking uh, because, you know, the whole store of value uh, hedge against inflation narrative and people thought that meant that uh, Bitcoin was not actually hedge against inflation or store value. But, you know, that 5,000 year store value that gold bugs like to tout is down significantly over the last six months uh, as well. So uh, everything has just been down in this uh, in this topsy-turvy economy that we have. However, uh, chin up because A, um, Bitcoin, you know, in the entire history of Bitcoin, it has always gone up and to the right. If you look at some of the charts comparing the different uh, four-year halving cycles, the previous two four-year halving cycles, uh, it's people have been arguing online about whether whether this is following the pattern or not, and I submit that it is. Um, there's, you know, it, if you look at the shape, the trajectory, we're exactly where we should be at this point in time compared to the previous two uh, cycles. We're obviously lower in a, terms of percentile of growth, but you know, maybe that is because of the environmental environment, the uh, economic environment, the circumstances we find ourselves in, or maybe it's proving out that you know the diminishing returns theory, which says that each four-year having cycle, Bitcoin's going to gain just a little less in terms of percent, i.e., like one having cycle, you might 60x, then the next having cycle, you might 30x, and the one after that might only 10x. You know, it's still going to go up into the right, but more gradually as those numbers get more astronomical as we get closer to hyper-Bitcoinization. And eventually, one day, you know, if everyone were using Bitcoin as a world global currency or a global reserve currency, uh, then, you know, prices would tend to flatten out and be steady. So um, so maybe that's playing out the diminishing returns theory. That does not mean Bitcoin won't continue going up into the right. That's actually expected. Um, but only time will tell. And speaking of prices soaring in U.S. dollar terms, the price of oil is up about $3 a barrel in terms of U.S. dollars. The price of Brent crude at the moment is $95.90 per barrel, but that has plummeted in Bitcoin terms. Um, just last week, it would cost you 482,749 sats to buy one barrel of Bitcoin, or one barrel of oil, and right now it will only cost you 461,087 sats to purchase a barrel of oil. Um, and if you wanted to trade oil for Bitcoin, uh, it would cost you 216.89 barrels of oil to buy one Bitcoin as opposed to 207 last week. So while oil is getting more expensive in dollar terms, uh, it is down uh, about 21,000 sats per barrel in Bitcoin terms. And... Uh, for those of you keeping score, today, one Bitcoin will purchase you 1,247 Papa John's pizzas, exactly 100 more pizzas than last week. Uh, and so that is a heck of a lot of pizza for just one Bitcoin. That's getting close to four years of one large pepperoni pizza a day uh, for almost four years for just one Bitcoin. And that is a heck of a lot of value in the terms of pizza. 
All right, looking at my block explorer, the mempool currently has less than one block worth of transactions pending. Um, that is down the last two weeks in a row, last, last three weeks in a row, there were three blocks worth of transactions pending. So the mempool's humming right along, and that isn't necessarily reflective of less on-chain activity. Um, we just had a, a difficulty increase, but even though we've had a difficulty increase, we're still at another all-time record high hash rate. So blocks are zooming in right now. They're coming in faster than they should be, and that's clearing out those blocks. Uh, so along those lines, my fee estimator is still, still saying that you should use a 19 sat per byte fee to guarantee your transaction is included in the next block. But obviously, one sat per byte transactions are clearing if, uh, if the blocks aren't even full. If there's less than one blocks with the transactions, any, any fee should be swept up in the next block. Um, Again, keep an eye on that if you're going to make an on-chain transaction, that, especially if it's one you need to clear right away. But uh, as usual, one sat per byte transactions are still clearing and relatively quickly. All right. So the, the metric that you know I like to follow, the one I don't necessarily have any scientific backing for other than just my personal observation, is the 24-hour transaction rate. And it is screaming right now. Uh, we're looking at 3.41 transactions per second over the last 24 hours on chain. That is a lot higher than the 3.09 transactions per second last Wednesday and the 3.13 the previous two Wednesdays. As I have always said, and again, this is just my own observation, that since I started doing this podcast and watching this metric, anytime we're above 3.14 or pi, the price of Bitcoin seems to be going up. The price of Bitcoin has pumped in the last 24 hours. And we've got a 3.41 transaction per second rate. So um, that tends to confirm, or at least it's very consistent with what we've seen for the last year or so that I've been doing this podcast. Um, there are a lot of on-chain transactions going on right now. And that doesn't have anything to do with the transactions going on on the Lightning Network, which just keeps growing exponentially in use and popularity. And uh, as I just mentioned, we did just have a difficulty adjustment in between episodes since last Wednesday, just a couple of days ago. Uh, that was an upward difficulty increase of 3.4%. That puts us at the highest difficulty ever. Again, hash rate is just soaring. There's many theories for that. Um, that isn't as big as the 13.6% difficulty increase that Bitcoin's mining difficulty had uh, you know, previously, its previous adjustment, but uh, it is continuing to trend upwards. Um, you know, with the price of Bitcoin down and the miners struggling financially right now, you would think that hash rate would be coming off. Um, but a couple of theories are, as you remember, we spoke about companies uh, like Marathon Digital, Marathon Mining, uh, had been having trouble moving their miners from Montana to Texas, that the company that they hired to do their electric infrastructure, the installations, which actually is filed for bankruptcy now, was months and months and months behind schedule. Miners that were supposed to be on last summer are still sitting in boxes or where they were anyway. So the theory is maybe a lot of those are, are coming online. Uh, and, um, and also other people have speculated that um, maybe Bitmain has got their next generation of Antminer ready to release. And as we talked about last week, people were all, people historically have been all over the internet posting pictures of their brand new Antminers coming in with dusty fans. And the assumption is that they've been running these ant miners for up to 90 days or maybe longer for testing purposes before they ship them. So if they do have a huge batch of new miners uh, in testing, 
that might explain it too. There's rumors that the next uh, the next generation of mining ASIC chips are going to be uh, ten times or more efficient than the current ones. So uh, maybe there's some of that. Who knows? I guess just like the price trajectory, only time will tell. But we are seeing hash rate at historic levels, and the positive thing about that is if it's not just a fluke. Traditionally, an increase in hash rate has preceded uh, the start of the of the next bull run. So uh, maybe maybe we've bottomed, and the miners are anticipating the next bull run and getting their miners online. Part of the uh, part of the um, part of the benefit of the price being down, if you are a miner or if you want to get into home mining, is that the cost of used mining equipment is plummeted. The same thing happened in two thousand eighteen. I remember the Antminer S9 was the latest generation miner back then, and during the uh, during the lead up after the halving, I think when that, that miner first came online, it was in the $1,200 range or the $1,400 range, and it got even more expensive than that as Bitcoin got close to $20,000. But then during the quote-unquote crypto winter, uh, people were selling S9s for the cost of aluminum recycling. Uh, I saw them on eBay and Amazon for $30 a piece. Uh, that was a heck of a discount. Currently, the S19s are the most state-of-the-art miners on the market, and those were going for, I saw them as high as ten dollars or $12,000 a pop when Bitcoin was near its all-time high. And currently, I think you can scoop up an S9 for less than $2,000 on Amazon or eBay. Somewhere, I've seen some as low as $1,000 a pop. And, you know, those S9s are almost 10 times more efficient. Uh, the S19s are almost 10 times more efficient than the S9s. I think the, uh, the best S9, they made a series of them, but the best S9... I think had a hash rate of 14.1 terahertz and you get up to 110 terahashes uh, with the S19. So um, so it's a distinct possibility that miners are taking advantage of those cheap ASICs and they're hoarding them uh, in anticipation of the next bull run, uh, which, you know, if Bitcoin repeats and we're going to blast to a new all-time high uh, after the 2024 halving, it would be smart to be picking up some cheap ASICs right now Again, only time will tell, but um, if history does at least rhyme, uh, it would be smart to start hoarding ASICs if you were a miner, and so maybe that's maybe that explains the hash rate. Um, but nobody really knows. It's all just speculation right now. Along those lines, we are 1,589 blocks away from the next mining difficulty adjustment. That's about 11 days away. I think that's going to be, what, November 10th? And that's looking like a decrease uh, just the other day, it looked like we were going to have a, a, another increase. Um, but, uh, you know, we had that 3.4% difficulty increase. And immediately after that, uh, I was watching blocks coming in uh, really slow. But apparently they've sped up because uh, we're looking at a decrease of anywhere of minus 1.38 to minus 4.5%. That would give up, the 4.5 would obviously give up the entirety of the 3.4% increase we just had. And that is because blocks are currently averaging 10 minutes and 28 seconds. Uh, we're only, well, we're less than 500 blocks into this difficulty epic, so it's too soon to tell. You know, that tends to fluctuate. I've mentioned that every, literally every episode. Uh, but at the moment, they're coming in at 10.28 minutes. And uh, that is obviously slower than Bitcoin is programmed to, to target, that uh, Bitcoin's programmed to have a new block mined on average every 10 minutes. And how it does that is it either increases or decreases the difficulty. Obviously, uh, it thinks at the moment, it, it looks like it overshot 
the necessary difficulty because a week ago, blocks were getting mined at uh, on average nine minutes and thirty every nine minutes and thirty seven seconds. Bitcoin increased its difficulty to try and bring that to ten minutes, and it ended up bringing it to ten minutes and twenty eight seconds. But again, uh, hash rate is a fluid metric, and you know we're still ten days away, almost two weeks away. So uh, who knows what will happen? But currently, it's looking like that's going to give up some of that increase uh, that that we just had. All right. Um, Real quick look at the news, some of the things I took notes on that I wanted to cover. Obviously, the news, as usual, is the price. The price of Bitcoin popped last night. Uh, it was you know in the $19,000 range until late last night or in early this morning, and then it slowly, or s- suddenly maybe, as you might say, uh, surged to as high as just over 21000 before backing off a tiny bit to where we are right now at 20800 ish and that is despite a load of bad economic news. You know, the stock markets were down across the board today. You know, they had rallied the last several days. Um, but, and I guess looking at stock futures, they're currently up as well. But nonetheless, overall, the stock market is still trending downwards, uh, you know, from its peak. Uh, more bad news keeps coming in. I saw a headline that one of the company's largest home manufacturers, Pulte Homes, is quote unquote walking away from land deals. And that is due to plummeting new home sales. They're literally bailing on agreements to purchase land because they don't have the people to buy the homes to build them. Corporate earnings have been coming in this week. The corporate earnings data has been pretty mixed. You know, some companies beating expectations and others not. But remember, corporate earnings is a lagging metric. So we're getting, you know, they're they're reporting information on what happened over the summer, um, not currently reflecting what's happening right now. Uh, for example, so uh, almost every indicator that they used to measure the economy is a lagging indicator. You know, they're looking back at three to four month chunks of time at a whack. On a possibly positive note, though, we know we mentioned that Elon Musk had pledged to close his Twitter purchase by Friday, and it was announced that he's going to be addressing Twitter employees on Friday. So it looks like the deal will, in fact, close on Friday. Uh, that could be really cool if Elon actually follows through on on uh, cleaning up Twitter because, you know, you, if, if you follow a lot, like I said, if you follow any of the major Bitcoin Twitter accounts, uh, they're all, every, every day they post, hey, there's a new scammer, please report him. Uh, Hodl not was pulling his hair out uh, over a particular scammer that uh, had been reported over a hundred times and is still online scamming people. Um, Twitter wanted him to upload a copy of his driver's license and a bunch of other BS before they would investigate it. Um, and you know that if you are following any of the more right-wing leaning accounts or any account that's controversial at all, you know, Twitter's been deplatforming de- de- people left and right, and Elon has vowed to bring that to a halt. And if you're a believer in free speech, even if you don't agree with it, you know, I remember back when I was a kid, the ACLU was representing the freaking KKK. And, you know, they, they flat out said that, you know, freedom of speech doesn't protect what you want to hear, what the government wants you to say, freedom of speech is only important if it's controversial. You know, it's it's only the it's only the speech that everybody hates, that or that the government convinces you to hate, that um, that they'll come after. You know, the, the communist China won't come after you for praising President Xi. And I hate using the term president or like supreme leader. They're not supreme leaders; they're freaking dictators. Uh, but you know, 
Try saying something anti-Xi. Try posting a picture of Winnie the Pooh online in China, and you'll flat out disappear. And, uh, you know, Twitter's obviously not that bad, but um, there is a lot of censorship on Twitter that Elon Musk has promised to, uh, to fix. So, again, I don't have a crystal ball. These are all just promises. Elon has said some pretty pie-in-the-sky things in the past. He doesn't always deliver, you know... Uh, we still haven't seen the uh, Cybertruck, and uh, he's behind schedule on a few other promises. But uh, he he just that what's that brain chip Neuralink, the brain chip um, company that he has, the implant company. He just pushed back or canceled. A, um, uh, he was supposed to have a uh, a presentation or release or whatever on on their progress, and he just pushed that back again. So my point being, you can't take, you know, anything anyone says at face value, it seems like, anymore. And Elon tends to say some grandiose things from time to time. Uh, But I'm very hopeful he will clean up Twitter. All right, back to financial news. As you remember, we mentioned last week that everybody was saying that October is supposed to be October. We had the headline on CNBC. For example, the said October is historically a strong month for Bitcoin, but price action had been lackluster, has been oddly lackluster. So, um, you know, are we in a basically what this comes down to is is the bottom in or is or is this a bull trap? We're seeing a little bit of a price pump. October was supposed to be an expected price pump historically. Um, more Octobers than not close up. Uh, and maybe we will because we're seeing a little bit of a last-minute surge. They just had the, you know, the, the game-changing Hail Mary pass last night, maybe, or maybe not. Again, that remains to be seen. I don't make price predictions on this show, but a lot of people have been calling a bottom since June. Plan B, notoriously, continues to defend his bottom call that the bottom was in last June. Uh, ironically, just yesterday, he put out a tweet saying, quote, one day you wake up and see Bitcoin at 21,000 without any important news or event. The next week, Bitcoin 24,000, dot, 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 and 30K. Some will say it's a bull trap. <laughs> Me, I guess, huh? Possibly, I don't know. Others realize the bear market is over and the next bull market has started. So he posted that just about 24 hours before we actually did hit 21,000. He retweeted it again today with a check mark next to that saying like 21K check or something along those lines. So plan B still continues to uh, to say that the, that the bottom is in. Of course, even if the stock market and the U.S. economy trends down, many economists are saying that Bitcoin will recover first. As I mentioned over and over again, I think it was uh, on was one, one of the economists on on the Cafe uh Bitcoin podcast had said that Bitcoin was and Bitcoin is going to bottom in June, and he said that back in like April that it was going to bottom in June, but the stock market was going to continue to trend downward for a while and then eventually recover a few months after Bitcoin. Uh, so maybe we're starting to see that. However, there are a lot of doomsayers out there still, uh, not including not you know not just including people like the Doctor Doom himself and people that have been uh, forecasting the sky is falling their entire career. Uh, but Ecoinometrics, for example, on Twitter posted an interesting chart saying, quote unquote, fun fact, the trajectory of this stock market correction looks eerily similar to 2008. And he has uh, the 2008 S&P 500, the Great Recession, uh, and then highlighted along it the current stock market trajectory. And it is almost an exact match up to this point. 
at this point in time during the Great Recession, we were seeing a little bit of a, of a rally, which turned out to be a bull trap, and then a dramatic plunge, the steepest plunge, in fact, of the 2008 crash, um, basically doubling again down as far as it had previously crashed, but all in one fell swoop uh, coming up after the uh, after the end of this bull after the end of the bull trap so you know they say history doesn't repeat but it rhymes and what it rhymes with this you know we will only know if this is if we're going to head into recession uh, or re- depression or whatever after the fact because again all those are le- lagging indicators and a lot of it they say depends on what the fed does you know the federal reserve jacking up interest rates has uh, probably been what's responsible for things like the housing crash Obviously, if you can no longer afford a mortgage, you aren't buying a new home. And uh, by increasing interest rates, that will only make that worse. So, you know, people are waiting for the quote-unquote Fed pivot. Uh, And there's been some hints that might be coming. It looks like we're going to see one more three-quarter percent uh, interest rate increase in November. But then they're going to gradually ease off of that and only raise by half a percent in December. And then next year, uh, eventually pause rate increases and that's what the market's expecting. So that should be what's priced in. You know, if anything worse than that will crash the market harder, anything better than that would cause the market to rally. And maybe maybe that'll rub off on Bitcoin as well. Who knows? Similarly, the Canadian Central Bank uh, surprised markets today by, uh, lowering, by raising the rate only a half point instead of the predicted uh, three-quarter point rate with the Wall Street Journal reporting Bank of Canada surprises with half-point interest rate to 3.75%. The central bank raised its main interest rate at a lighter-than-expected pace, saying it expected close to zero growth starting late this year. And Reuters reporting the same thing, saying the Bank of Canada announced a smaller-than-expected interest rate hike on Wednesday and said it was getting closer to the end of its historic tightening campaign as it forecast the economy would stall over the next three quarters. So um, other banks, other central banks around the world have already pivoted. You know, we saw the Bank of England step in with their gilts, basically their equivalent of bonds, and snap up a bunch of bonds because, you know, basically reinstitute QE because uh, they were, their pensions were on the brink of failing because they were getting margin called. So... Again, you know, kind of along the lines of the dollar milkshake theory, everyone else's currency is going to get hit harder, faster. Other currencies are going to fail before the U.S. dollar. And along those lines, other central banks are going to pivot before the United States Federal Reserve or the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States for the U.S. Fed pivots. So we're starting to see that. We've had a couple of banks capitulate now. Um, And so uh, we shall see. But that has a lot to do with what happens to the U.S. economy. Obviously, the Federal Reserve, I don't believe, can actually create good times, but governments can certainly create bad times. You know, they can't make you wealthy, but they can make you poor. Uh, And how they can do that in this case is by making things too expensive to afford. Big ticket items, things that people would finance, or your credit cards, for example. Okay, so uh, I know this is old news now because last Wednesday I was talking about the Hadlanot versus Craig Wright case, and it was scheduled to be, uh, the verdict was scheduled to be released on or before November 8th, uh, I believe, and that was, what, one day after a upcoming uh, DCA Wednesday episode, and I was saying, with my luck, you know, it will be released on the 8th right after I publish 
that DCA Wednesday episode and I'll have to do a special episode. Instead, they came out with a verdict one day after last week's DCA Wednesday episode. And you probably know by now, Hoddle and Ott won a crushing victory with the judge basically saying that, um, well, first of all, I said, if you're going to make a claim as outlandish as, hey, I'm, I'm Satoshi Nakamoto, that you have to expect people to be skeptical, but uh, absolutely roasting CSW for uh, failing to take the very obvious easy step of proving his identity by signing a message with one of the known Satoshi private keys and with basically presenting fake evidence instead uh, and saying that Hadalanat definitely had more than reasonable cause to call him a fraud. Of course, he's also suing CS. Uh, he's also suing Hadalanat in England, in Great Britain, where it's pretty much easy to sue anyone for defamation because they have really horrible laws there that says you can't say anything mean. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But this was definitely a huge psychological victory for the Bitcoin community because um, Fake Toshi has just been a pain in the ass, uh, and he's been. He's definitely had a chilling effect by going after Bitcoin influencers and even Bitcoin, you know, contributors. Uh, you know, people say, well, anybody can patent, you know, trademark Bitcoin or whatever. It doesn't mean you actually invented it because I could submit a, a, a patent application for the Bitcoin code and they would grant it because they don't question the validity. They just question whether or not you submitted it first or whatever. So, um, but... He has a relentless and destructive campaign, and it's it's one of those things he's, he's trying to chisel away one step at a time and 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 build this uh, mountain of little tiny quote unquote victories and, and and intimidation. And you know he's been successful in getting uh, Bitcoin core maintainers to to quit and to go into hiding basically um, by threatening lawsuits. So. And the reason being, it's just so expensive. It costs, you know, half a million dollars for Hodl and Ott to defend himself. And most people don't have that. And that's why Peter McCormick gave up his defense and basically just tried to minimize and say, uh, we're not saying that we didn't lie. We're just saying that it didn't hurt his reputation. Of course, the judge in that case agreed to basically finding, um, finding four CSW, but only, only awarding him one pound in damages, you know, just a dollar basically in damages. So um, it was nice to see the community rally behind Hadlanat and to donate enough money to him that he could fight this because that's how you stop a bully, right? You know, if there's someone going around the schoolyard stealing everyone's milk money and everyone just gives it to him, he's just going to keep it up. But when some kid finally slugs him in the face, gives him a black eye and says no, um, the bully will stop. And that's uh, hopefully what we're going to see. You know, he's, I don't think someone is... I personally believe that that... Uh, CSW is so delusional that maybe he even believes he's Satoshi at this point. Uh, I've known some people that have believed some really bizarre crap on, in a previous life I was in a career that dealt with a lot of mentally ill people. Um, you know, man, I've got some stories. I could do a whole nother podcast uh, about the people I've met and the people I've spent quite a bit of time uh, with in a previous, in a previous life, so to speak. But, um, so I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know uh, CSW, I've never met the guy, um, but what I hear about him sounds awfully familiar. There's some there's some things there that that uh, that I see that remind me of other people have I've met. So I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe it's just a con. Maybe it's just a fraud. Who knows? But it's just nice to see that Hodlinot uh, had 
a victory that and the whole community did when hollow not won that was a big um you know bitcoin itself doesn't care even if csw had won every suit out there and he had forced every bitcoin core maintainer to go completely underground you still can't stop it he couldn't stop me from running a node on a little raspberry pi in my in my office uh, and he can't stop people from contributing to the code anonymously so um it's all just a royal pain in the butt but um, you know, that does or could have a chilling effect on mass adoption, um, you know, as far as companies being uneasy to purchase it because, or, you know, put it on their treasuries, et cetera, central banks, because they, they're worried that, you know, that he might, he might actually be able to freeze development on the code. I don't know. Uh, and that doesn't actually have anything to do with what we're here for today. What we're really here for today is because today is DCA Wednesday. Um, and if you are new to this show and you don't know what dollar cost averaging is by now, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 66th stack. We started stacking $20 worth of Bitcoin every Wednesday back on July 28th, 2021. And so far we've stacked every Wednesday a total of 65 times. We've stacked a total of 1,300 US dollars, including $29.25 in fees. So, you know, for those of you out there saying, I only have 20 bucks, or I only have 50 bucks, or I only have 100 bucks, this just goes to show it adds up fast. Uh, and that's why it's important to be um, regular, to stack regularly at regular intervals uh, instead of trying to time the market. You know, they say that time in the market beats time in the market every time it's tried. And along those lines, in just a little over a year, we've stacked 3,867,580 sats. And we're going to hopefully stack just under 100,000 more sats now today. And to do that, we're going to use the Cash App. Uh, Cash App is not a sponsor of the show, but as you know, I love Cash App. I think it's one of the easiest ways to stack sats. It's relatively inexpensive. It isn't the cheapest. They don't have the cheapest fees out there, um, but they will let you transfer your Bitcoin to your cold storage for free. So that kind of makes up for some of that. Again, they're not a sponsor, but everyone that uses Cash App has a referral code. Along those lines, we do have that referral code in the show notes. If you're not a Cash App user and you want to be, please use that referral code because if you do, you'll get five bucks free just for signing up and using that referral code. And we'll get five bucks as well. So you'll get paid basically to help support the podcast. Um, And that's pretty cool. So I'm opening up the handy dandy Cash App and adding $20. And then tapping on the buy Bitcoin, tapping 20 bucks, hitting confirm, and boom, just like that, we stacked another 94,109 sats, and that is at a price of $20,773.68, so about six and a half dollars less expensive than it was when we started the show, but still, um, $1,600, more than $1,600, more than it was last Wednesday. Uh, Despite the fact it's gotten a little more expensive, that's still going to bring our average cost basis down. Uh, It's down another $293.63. That's not as, you know, that didn't bring it down as far as the almost $400 last week's purchase brought it down. But still, you know, as we keep purchasing below the all-time high, or in this case, below what our average cost basis now is $33,319.12. So anything we purchase in the $20,000 range, anything we purchase below $33,000 is going to continue to bring that average cost basis down. 
Uh, and that is cool. But more importantly, it brought our stack up to 3,961,689 sats. For example, if you had YOLO'd in on July 28th when we started this podcast, uh, you would have, if you would have YOLO'd in with $1,300, that would have purchased you 3,323,564 sats. So we've purchased almost 600,000 more sats by dollar cost averaging than you would have if you would have just YOLO'd in. And if Bitcoin goes to the moon, if Bitcoin does hit that $1 million magic price, One day, that stack of uh, 3.9 million sats will be worth $39,616.89 in U.S. dollar terms. And that would be life-changing money for, not maybe you wouldn't call it life-changing money for everybody, but it would be a significant chunk of money, even if you were wealthy, you know, even if you you blow $20,000 on dinner, um, that would be, you know, a a really fancy dinner for you that, uh, that you got for a dramatic discount. Um, and of course, if you're me, $39,000 is a lot of money. And if you're in a country like El Salvador or Venezuela or in Africa or, you know, most places in the world that aren't as lucky as the United States and Europe, 39000 US dollars is a lot of money. And hopefully, um, Bitcoin will go beyond that one day. And more importantly than that, hopefully you'll keep adding to that stack. And as long as Bitcoin stays down, we're going to keep adding more Satoshis than we could had it been in that $69,000 range. i kind of bummed that we didn't get 100,000 sats um, this week. But, you know, um, the 94,000 sats we got is significantly more than, um, than the, uh, the 29,000 sats that we got in October 20th at the highest we purchased when we bought for 65,000. So, you know, it's all a matter of perspective. We've got significantly more than double, more than triple the number of sats we, we, we would have purchased had Bitcoin retained that all-time high. So look at this as opportunity. I certainly look at this opportunity. Uh, all that matters is the size of your stack. Size matters, guys. All that matters is the size of your stack, and all that matters is that stack is bigger today than it was yesterday. All right. Hey, if you are a loyal listener or a first-time listener or um, somewhere in between, I would like if you would please consider following us on Twitter. Uh, We are at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. I'm hoping to get our Twitter following numbers up because the more people that follow us on Twitter, right now, you know, Twitter algorithmically pushes your content out based on, you know, um, activity. So the more people that we have following us on Twitter, the more other people are going to see our content and the more people we can hopefully help orange pill. So please subscribe to us on Twitter. Again, we're at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. More importantly, though, I'd like to know what you think about this podcast. Please reach out to us and let us know what you like or what you don't like. If there's something you want us to talk about or something you don't want us to talk about, you're sick of hearing me say. Again, some of the stuff is kind of repetitive, but the reason is because we're hoping to, we are growing this podcast and we're hoping to continue growing this podcast which means hopefully every week we're exposing someone new to dollar cost averaging Bitcoin. And so, um, so our audience varies from complete noobs, uh, to OGs. And, um, so sometimes it gets a little repetitive, but please let us know what you think. Again, you can DM us or, you know, comment on one of our posts and that's at BTC bulletin pod on Twitter. However, if you prefer to send me an email, my email link is Bitcoin bulletin at protonmail.com. 
That is Bitcoin Bulletin at ProtonMail.com. And of course, obviously, if you really want to uh, help support the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app. And if you use the Fountain app, for example, uh, you can send us a boost on Fountain. That boost is not only a message, but because they use the Lightning Network, it throws some sats our way, and that might just be one Satoshi. But, you know, the value for value model, if you feel like you've got whatever value this brought to your life that you feel like helping tip us, uh, you can choose however many sats you want. We've had people send us anywhere from a couple hundred sats to a couple thousand sats. Uh, and if you do so, and it's not a shill or obscenely offensive, we will go ahead and read that boost on the next episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. Again, there's some other easy ways you can help support the show, and it's with those referral links that we mentioned. There's a Cash App referral link in the show notes. But if you if you prefer to use Strike, for example, there's a Strike referral code in the show notes as well. Uh, and there's other ways you can support us. Um, but mainly, thank you for listening, and please let us know what you think. Uh, again, like and subscribe on our YouTube page, or follow us and or follow us on Twitter. Send us a DM. Send us a shout out. But don't forget to join us this Wednesday and every Wednesday for our DCA episodes where we're going to grow that stack. But until then, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>